Luckily, none of that was on the recording yet. I just started the recording, so sorry for you you guys on the podcast. You missed that. You have to be here. No, we won't recap. No, praise God, though. Praise God. And and yes, I I agree to the desire for the Holy Spirit to just fill my words. And let me pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we worship you. We praise you, God. We give you this platform. We give you this place. This is already your place. So, Father, I give you my voice. I give you my my very will. And I speak and declare into this atmosphere that my desire is not to have my will be done but yours. That you speak through me what you want and nothing of me. Father, it is my desire, as I know it is the desire of many, if not most in here, that you allow your son's mind to take over our mind. To literally develop the mind of Christ, the only way that is to happen is to give our lives to you. That's what I ask for this morning. That's what I ask for every day. Less of me, more of you. We worship you in Jesus' name. Amen. So, we're going to be talking about the fast here in in just a second. But I wanted to start out, because there were some questions from last week, and and for those of you uh, listening online or on the podcast, I apologize, we didn't have anything last week. We had internal times with the Lord (laughs) that uh, he did not want aired. And... But I, I, will, I will say one thing about it because I want to comment about it this morning. We did go before the Lord in court for ignition. And there was something that came up that I want to explain a little bit further about. I'm going to read from the transcript from last week. I said, Father, I ask the court to compel this accuser to state its accusation with clarity, remembering the decorum of your court. Ask in Jesus' name and by the power of his blood. The accuser opened its mouth and two hooded... I'm sorry, that's the second one. This This must have got knocked. Rewind. Okay, we will go back to the first one because there were two accusers. We don't need to go over the second one. Okay, and I I asked, again, I said the same thing for him to state his accusation with clarity. And then what was seen was a tar pour from his mouth. And Shannon heard the voice that said this, delay from your own indecision. I asked for clarity on that. That if that is an accusation of me and the elders or an accusation of the entire Ignition 633. And 
and I presume leadership, but his reply was this, and this is what I want to explain. As one you stand, as one you fall. As one you stand, as one you fall. That's a really heavy thing when you start to think about that. Because, see, we walk in our relationship with Jesus Christ thinking that all we have to worry about is ourselves. I'll, I'll, I'll let Jenna, I'll let Josh, I'll let them worry about themselves. I'll worry about myself. And, and you know, if we're all kind of pointed the same direction, then we're going to be okay. That's not what he said. He said that we have a responsibility to each other and for each other. Now this is specific to ignition, but it is not just ignition. It is really for the entire bride. Because think about it. Think about where Satan has had his greatest achievements. His, his greatest overall victories have been in this church not talking to this church, right? Even though we may believe the same things, well, we don't talk to them because blank, 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 blank. Whatever it may be. Whatever reason it may be. So often it's because of this. We don't want to lose people to them. Right? We're in competition because it's really about the numbers that show that God has blessing on your life and on your church. It's the numbers, it's the numbers, it's the numbers. Do you know, if you look at the Gospels, and look at Jesus' life in those three and a half years of His ministry, if you really look closely... There were only a handful of people that Jesus poured into. He spoke on a public level. He spoke and gave principles. But in terms of pouring in and really developing, He poured everything He had into His disciples. And not just the twelve that were with Him, but the ones that followed Him, the ones that remained with Him, the ones that you saw ending up in Acts chapter 2, in the upper room, the 120. He poured into them. He showed us the responsibility of not just living for His own life to be close to the Father, to understand His calling and what He was to do, but He poured into those people, caring as much about their walk as anyone else's. That's what hit me hard when I heard this last week and when he clarified what it was about. Because, see, this was a moment in time where there was a shift. Did anybody else get that? Anybody else understand that a shift happened last week? And I don't mean the shift of you are not guilty, Ignition 633, I mean the shift of now you are made responsible because you've been told. 
Do you understand that? Do you understand the weight of that? Because the weight of that does not fall on those who apply it and pull it in. The weight will fall on those who have just been walking to walk. Walking to receive. Making decisions based on their own feelings instead of what the Lord is telling them to do. Now let me clarify something there. What he said in terms of delay, it wasn't about, I don't know if that's the Lord's voice yet. I'm still proving that out. That's not the delay. The delay is when his voice is clear or something he is saying in his word is clear and we delay. That goes down to the smallest thing because it's in the small things that we find ourselves faithful that affect the bigger things. I don't know if the importance of that really, really reigns heavy in your life, but I pray it does. I pray it does. Because this pathway that he's put us on, and really, as Brooke said, what starts today, or some of you perhaps like I did started last night, this fast, this 21-day fast, this one's different than any other. Lord has laid it so heavy on my heart. This is so different than the others because of what he wants to do. I don't know. I, was, I can't remember who I was talking to. Maybe it was on the prayer call last night. Um, <laughs> you remind me of anybody recognizes this, but I was talking to somebody about this being a doorway. Was that on the prayer call? Yeah. Or was I just talking to my wife? <laughs> it was on the prayer call. Okay. I feel like that's what this fast is. It's a doorway. We're standing at this door. And at some point during this fast, as Ignition 633, not individually, as Ignition 633, we will be handed keys that unlock this door. That we could then open this door and step into what it means to be on the other side of this door. I don't know what that is. I can tell you I can guess what it is. I think it has to do with all the things that he has promised. All the things that he has said are in the pathway of what he wants to do with us. But right now what we know is we're just on this side of the door. And the thing that will make that an issue is when you don't step in confidence when he tells you to step. There are many things that can stop that. One of the biggest things is fear. Because fear will manifest in a thousand ways. Well, I'm afraid that's really not his voice. I mean, I think it is. I know it is. But, but I, you know, just in case that 1% that it's not, I don't want to step if it's not for sure him. And meanwhile, he's telling me, he's, he's saying to you, he's saying, look, you know my voice. You've proved this out. Bind the fear and step. Bind the fear and step. That fear can be manifest in different ways. It could be that, that the Lord's telling you to go talk to somebody. 
right? You're at the gas station filling up. Go talk to that person. Share me with them. I remember the first time that happened to me. This was the first time I was just getting to know his voice, and I thought, is that you? I actually questioned that. Like Satan would tell me to do that. <laughs> you know, but we get into our minds and we well, Lord, I, you know, I, I, need, I need the letter of what you're telling me before I step so I could step in confidence. And the whole time he's just saying, seriously, dude, it's me. Go tell her. Go tell her about me. So fear can manifest in that way. Fear can manifest in other ways where things get in the way. Well, I can't do that because of this. Father, I can't move in that direction. That must not be you because, because there's no sustenance there. There's no way to pay my bills there. So that can't be you. Oh, Satan's trying to entrap me. Maybe we think that. Maybe we, maybe we realize that's the Lord. But that fear keeps us from stepping because you know what? It's scary to step out into nothing. I can tell you that from personal experience. It's scary to step out when you don't know where your sustenance is going to come from. I mean, you know it's going to be God, right? Because God promises it. But you don't know the workings of it. And that will boil down to if you tend to be a controlling person or not. Because it's going to be harder for some than others. If you're a controlling person, that's going to be really difficult. That may be a stronghold that the Lord wants to break in you. I know it was with me. Finances with me were the greatest stronghold that had to be broken in my life. Because it was the choice I made. Instead of going the direction way back, even at my first freshman year of college, is when I made this different choice, this different decision that, you know what, I'm going to go into business because business I could control. Right? I could control that. If I want to make more money, I just work harder and work smarter. I don't have to be on my knees asking the Lord and trusting somebody else to bring it to me. Now, these, these are subconscious thoughts. These were not conscious thoughts. I, I was not purposing to go against what the Lord wanted me to do. I just wanted control. It came because of a hurt. It came because of one of the greatest hurts in my life that happened my freshman year of college. I won't get into that now, but, but the reaction from that hurt was control. I want to control. Perhaps some of you have been to the same place. You want to control something because you don't want to feel that hurt again. Or you want to control something because you want to stop feeling that hurt. See, it's that control that takes the purity of our vision for God's will for our lives, the purity of our ears to be able to hear His voice, to understand properly. Because we can't. Because we can't. Because there's a portion that we haven't given Him. I've been asked a million times, how do you hear from God? 
How do you hear from him? How do you really develop a relationship in hearing his voice? Is it even possible for you to have what you say, a conversation with the Lord? Yeah. What I'm trying to tell you is it has to come from a place where you give up control. Whatever it is that you're trying to control. It could be huge. It could be tiny. It doesn't matter. Control is what breaks that connection between you and him. And as you're building this, he, he, he floods grace on his bride. That's why, you, you see, God is not a linear God, guys. He is not linear to where he will always give this amount of grace. No. Because he floods grace on us as we're learning his voice. And then as he teaches us that, there are expectations to step toward him in that faith and in that trust. And when we don't, what happens? Where we're supposed to step up here, we don't, we're right here. The level of grace we're given is up here. If we don't step up there, then we will not have grace sufficient enough to walk in Him. Not because He's not flooding us with grace, but because we're not doing our part. We're wanting to hold on to that control. We're wanting to hold on to perhaps even that sin or whatever it is. Well, I want, I want your blessings over here, but God, over, over here, I, I want to hold on to my control. I want to hold on to this sin. I want to hold on to my own decisions over here. And then we wonder, why doesn't life, you know, life's okay now. You know, I'm, I'm pursuing him. I kind of hear his voice. I still get to have a little bit of this control. Why can't I just leave that as status quo? It's because God doesn't work that way. God doesn't work that way. Why? Because he wants you. He doesn't want a portion of you. He doesn't want a little bit of you. He wants all of you. Every last little bit. And so when you find yourself walking in what you think is status quo, and, okay, I, I, I've gotten to where I can kind of live with this, and, and I can manage like this, and then all of a sudden things go bad again. Because your heart is saying, and your mouth is saying, I want your will, Lord. Ooh, man, what? If you really want to maintain status quo, I I have a suggestion for you. Don't say, I want your will out loud. Don't say it. Don't say it. If your heart wants it, then go after it. But recognize there will come change. There will come requirements of change. Not that you float along the same way all the time. You know, I I, I think God's heart gets broken when we go through these cycles over and over and over and over again. Where we we hunger for him and we get hungry and go after him and go after him and go after him. And then, then, oh, let me maintain a little bit of control. I, I don't want to give this up yet, so let me maintain control. Ride that for a bit and then we fall. 
And then it goes downhill again. Why? Because His grace that is propping up our faith to increase, when our faith doesn't increase, that grace will decrease. Why? Because He wants your attention. He wants your attention. He wants you to recognize what He's trying to do in your life. And that it's about personal relationship with Him. Not about a checked box that, yeah, I got this going okay now, and I, I, got, I got enough money that I'm doing this now, and I'm doing that now, and all these boxes are checked. It's not what he wants. Throw away the boxes. <laughs> he wants you to just rely on him. So then there comes a point, and... You know, I, I can only share my own experience, but, but my own experience has been this walk for the last six, seven years. And just having a hunger for him so hard that nothing else mattered. And, and I know many of you have had the same experience as me where you were faced with a decision that no matter what, I'm, I'm stepping. I'm stepping. Doesn't matter what it costs me in this life. I'm stepping. Because you saw a glimpse of what that relationship could be. But see, when we delay that step, when we delay that step, don't think that we just maintain on that step. You are either moving forward or you're moving behind. Because when we get a direct command from God for our lives, when He speaks to us, urges us to do something, and we either delay or we pull off of that, do you think He's just going to let us stay right up here? No, because what happens is, is Satan hears what we declare. And Satan goes, wait a second. No, no, no. No, Lord. Okay. I want to take them to court and accuse them that they said they were giving you this and here is evidence that they have not. They knew your voice. Here's where they said it. And yet they don't step in you. If you don't think he does that, you need to read Revelation chapter 10, or 12, chapter 12, where it talks about our accuser is there day and night. Day and night for you. Day and night for you. Not day and night, well, you're on my list, so I'll get to you next Thursday. No, it says there that he's there day and night for you. Accusing you of what you say you're going to do, and then don't. So, so the thing that hit me so heavy about this delay is that ignition, it is time to move forward. It's time to move through this door. And we've been talking about this for, for a couple months now, that there's been a line drawn in the sand. That delay will be no more with ignition. We have talked as leadership. The, the, the leadership has, has been in complete agreement 
that there will be no more delay in moving forward. That those who do not choose to move cannot be at the cost of the whole. As he said, you are all, what did he say again? He said, as one you stand, as one you fall. Now, by the way, he's not talking about everybody that darkens the door of ignition. Understand that. If, if we had, if we just had a, a guest walk in today and, 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 okay, they're, they're, they're not on the same page. They're not walking the same way. Okay, ignition's delayed again because now they're new and that, you know. No, that's not what he's talking about. He's talking about the fundamental direction of leadership. Anybody with a leadership voice, I urge you, I urge you to move forward in his plan. I urge you, do not allow delay. That includes, by the way, anybody with a voice. That includes the entire praise team up here. Not just the three that lead it, but everybody that has influence up here. That includes the leadership of the college group. That includes everybody that has a voice. Move forward or you will be left behind. Understand that. I don't say that in a mean way. I say that in a loving way because it is our desire that you be there. But it's your choice. Now we as a church step forward in this. We as as a church, as Ignition 633, we step forward in this. And one of the ways that you step through doors like this is a moment of consecration. When the children of Israel, under Joshua, they came, they crossed the Jordan, they were ready to, you know, before they were told that, you know, to go after Jericho and how they did it and all that stuff, Joshua said, consecrate yourselves. Consecrate yourselves. And I think that that was actually right before they crossed the Jordan. Consecrate yourselves for tomorrow. You will see the hand of God move. What does it mean to consecrate yourself? It means a holy, and I'll say holy two ways. W-H-O-L-L-Y, or is it L-E-Y? Or L-E-Y. <laughs> holy, W-H, and holy, H-O-L-Y. In other words, holy, H-O-L-Y, and completely make your focus on Him. On your relationship with Him. Consecrating yourselves. Take this moment, this fast that's beginning today. Take this moment and make it your time to consecrate yourself. Now, by the way, I want to say this right up front, and we're going to get into the fast for a second here. I want to say this right up front because we've, we've done church fasts before. This is not a normal church fast. I know it's been said in the past, and, and perhaps this time some of you are thinking we'll do it this way. To fast from Facebook, that's not a fast. To fast from going out Friday nights, that's not a fast, guys. I fast all the time if that were the case. That's not a fast. 
why do you think every time in the Word of God a fast has to do with food? It's because food is the very thing that keeps us alive. Food is the very thing that gives us joy (laughs) in many cases. Food is the very thing that is necessary to sustain life. Now, in saying that, I want to make sure that it's understood, because I, I do know that, I know of at least one, obviously, or two, where there are situations medically where you cannot do certain things. I get that. I totally get that. And God will show you what to do. But for the vast majority of the people here, that is not the case. So I'm not telling you what to do. It's not my place to tell you what to do. But I am going to suggest that you go before the Lord and you ask Him what He wants you to do. And what you think you can do, don't base it on that. Don't base it on that, and don't base it on what you think would be amazing for you to do. It'd be amazing for me to spend these 21 days, no food, no water. I'm going to do a Moses who did it for 40 days. Actually, he did it for 80 days. Okay, that's... Well, we won't even go there. That's just... That's that's God. <laughs> okay, but don't... Don't just set your sights on what you think would sound good. What I'm asking you to do is go before the Lord and say, God, what do you want me to do? If you don't know yet and you started this morning, I'm going to suggest don't eat a thing. Just have water and go before the Lord and ask Him before you eat anything else. Let Him tell you. He's not going to delay. He already has a plan for you. It might be a Daniel fast. It might be something else. It might be water. God's also not going to throw you into something heavy that you can't handle. But he will throw you into something you don't think you can handle without him. That I promise you. That I promise you. And it's a difficult thing to be thinking of what that's going to feel like and make that part of your decision. Don't. Don't. Go before the Lord and say, Lord, what do you want me to do? Because you are fasting for something specific. It's for this door to open. And what all that means. Because this is a corporate fast. We are fasting for some specific things, and we're going to get into that. But every fast also will have personal value to it. It's not that, well, we have five in here that are fasting for the church and that door to open. Everybody else is kind of fasting on their own, so you know maybe I'll get this career I wanted or, or, or maybe this relationship will be better. And That's not what this is. That's not what we were called to do. We were called to bind together and fast for one thing. I want you to turn in your Bibles to Esther chapter 4. Now, you all know the story of Esther. Okay, this was actually after the 
The Babylonian captivity, there was 70 years where they were kept in Babylon, uh, Babylon and, and before they were allowed to go rebuild the temple, and then eventually after that, Jerusalem, which we talked about that two weeks ago. But there were a bunch that stayed. There were a bunch that stayed in Babylon, a bunch that stayed in, that, in those areas. A bunch, and when I say a bunch, I'm talking about a bunch of Israelites. Ezra was one of them. And, and in this case, um, if, if you go back, uh, th- this is the Hebrew name. What's his name? King Ahasuerus. I, I don't even know how to pronounce it. Ahasuerus, or what, whatever he is us. Okay. Um, now, this is actually King Xerxes. Okay, the first. And... So it kind of combines the time frame, it just to help you out, the time frame a little bit, uh, or right near that area where we were talking about a couple of weeks ago. But, but Esther was a Jew, and she was brought into the king's court to become a wife. She was, she was highly favored of the king. He loved her. And, and back then they would have a harem of, of girls, and they would only bring them in, I guess, certain times, whenever they wanted, I guess, or whatever. And, and basically, Mordecai, which I, if I recall correctly, that's Esther's uncle. Am I right on that? Her uncle, yeah. Okay, I'm going to start at verse 12, because, because what's happened here, to give you the background, is, is Haman, or Haman, he wanted to kill all the Jews, to get rid of all the Jews, and yet Esther, who is in the king's court, you know, in his harem, one of the queens, she is a Jew. So Mordecai goes to her in verse 12. And they told Mordecai what Esther had said, which which basically she said, I can't go to the king because if I go unannounced, he'll kill me. I mean, that, that's against the law for her to just go unannounced. Uh, well, I'm in chapter 4. Chapter 4, I'm just giving a little bit of background, though. All right, now, verse 12 of chapter 4. And they told Mordecai what Esther had said. Then Mordecai told them to reply to Esther, Do not think yourself that in the king's palace you will escape any more than all the other Jews. In other words, don't think you're going to live this decree through. What they want to do to the Jews, what Haman wants to do to the Jews, will affect you too, is what he's saying. Verse 14. For if you keep silent at this time, relief and deliverance will rise for the Jews from another place. See, that shows his confidence in God. But you and your father's house will perish. And, and by the way, Esther, who knows whether... You have not come to the kingdom for such a time as this. What if this is the very calling on your life? I love her reply. Then Esther, in verse 15, then Esther told them to reply to Mordecai, Go, gather all the Jews to be found in Susa and hold a fast on my behalf. Do not eat or drink for three days, night or day. I and my young women will also fast as you do. Then I will go to the king, though it is as against the law, and if I perish, I perish. Mordecai then went away and did everything as Esther had ordered him. 
understand what was going on in the times there. This was a life or death situation. This was a life or death situation for Jews, for Mordecai. This was life or death for Esther. What she was agreeing to do was actually certain death. If you read on, the only thing that would keep her from dying and going to the king without being summoned was him to hold up his scepter and basically say, no, she can live. Now you could read on with that. We know how it all turned out. He did that. And the Jewish people were saved in that. She was made, made top queen, right? But what brought that about? It was the fast. They did a three-day fast. Now, now notice something here. This is not even your typical fast. This is not a three days of water-only fast. This is what you would call a dry fast. This is three days of nothing, period. I, I know some people that have done this. I know some people that have done seven days dry fast. I don't even know how that's possible, except without God, it, or except with God, because with God, all things are possible. So, so let's turn to Exodus chapter 34, talking about this dry fast, and we think we got it tough because, because we're just cutting out meat. I'm just cutting out T-bone, I'm cutting out the ribeyes, no more ribeyes. Right? I'll get something that maybe I can make a shake that tastes like ribeye. Right? In today's thing, you know, you, you, you take a, you know, get a piece of candy that tastes like whatever. Okay, that's not what's going on here. Exodus chapter 34, verse 27. And the Lord said to Moses, Moses had gone up onto the mountain. And, the Lord, and this, is, this is after they, they came out of the land of Egypt, obviously. And, and the Lord said to Moses, write these words, for in accordance with these words, I have made my covenant or made a covenant with you and with Israel. So he was there. Listen to this. So he was there with the Lord 40 days and 40 nights. He neither ate bread nor drank water. He wrote on the tablets the word of the covenant, the Ten Commandments. By the way, he didn't just write the Ten If it took him 40 days to write down Ten Commandments, that's a problem. God needs a better secretary. Right? No, it wasn't that. He wrote down the whole law. It wasn't just the Ten Commandments. It was the entire law that was given. Because it even, it even says here, and he wrote on the tablets the word of the covenant. The covenant was the entire law. That was the covenant to Israel. But recognize what Moses did. Forty days, forty nights, no food, no water. Okay, now if you know the story, you know he, he comes down with these tablets and comes down off the mountain, and that's where they have built the golden calf, and they're all worshiping this, this golden calf. And he gets upset, and... I don't know if it was God's will or not for him to actually throw the tablets, <laughs> but he did. And you know that whole story, but what you may not know 
is he goes back up onto the mountain for 40 more days and 40 more nights, fasting no water, no food, to get more tablets. It's like, God, I need a copy. <laughs> I need a copy of what you just gave me. So, so Moses, and, and I'm, I'm going to guess, he probably didn't eat or drink when he went down because he was, he was enraged. So for 80 days, Moses did not eat, did not drink, didn't even drink water. The reason I point this out is not to set the bar high for us. <laughs> Please, that's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is, if the Lord tells you to do it, if it is him telling you to do it, he will miraculously do it for you, if you let him. See, God wants to push us places that we may not be able to walk ourselves. Let's look at one more example, or another example in the New Testament. Look at Acts chapter 14. This is, I'm just going to start reading at verse 19. This is, this is uh, with Paul. Paul went to Lystra and, and preached, and they didn't receive him so well. And they stoned him. Verse 19, But Jews came from Antioch and Iconium, and having persuaded the crowds, they stoned Paul and dragged him out of the city, supposing that he was dead. But when the disciples gathered about him, he rose up and entered the city, and on the next day he went on with Barnabas to Derbe. When they had preached the gospel in that city and had made many disciples, they returned to Lystra. Paul was a glutton for punishment. They returned to Lystra, where, all the, where he, had, he had been presumed killed, and to Iconium and to Antioch, strengthening the souls of the disciples, encouraging them to continue in the faith, and saying, through many tribulations we must enter the kingdom of God. Yes, he said, look at my life. Many tribulations we enter into his joy. Not many tribulations and we get saved, we get that golden ticket. No, the golden ticket was already his. It was many tribulations he had to go through to build that relationship that he desired with Jesus Christ. Verse 23. And when they had appointed elders for them in these cities, in every church, with prayer and fasting, they committed them to the Lord in whom they had believed. Fasting became a part of opening a door and moving through a door. Right? These churches that had just began to grow and were told and, and even saw firsthand the trouble that they would have in being a church. So Paul saw the necessity of fasting so the right men were chosen for these positions. The right people in leadership would be chosen to move that church forward. It was a cost to make sure that they were on the right track. That's what fasting is, and that's what it was in this case. Last one I want to go to is Daniel. Turn to Daniel chapter 9. 
I won't read this whole thing, but I really want to encourage you to. And I should. I should just read it. But I want you to understand what's going on here. In chapter 9, verse 1, it talks about in the, in the first year of Darius, King Darius. Darius was after Cyrus. Okay, Babylon was in the 70 years where they were in captivity. Okay, Cyrus is the one that, that Isaiah had prophesied about, and, and, and Cyrus was shown this scroll that was written 150 years before he was ever born. And so Cyrus then told the, the, the Jews, go ahead and go rebuild your temple, right? And, and they started to do that, had some trouble. Then Cyrus was, was then, and then Darius was next. Okay, this is still in the 70 years. This is still in captivity, but they were allowed to go and begin rebuilding the temple. So this is Daniel seeing these things. And just to give you a quick understanding as you read this, chapter 10 is kind of a, what do they call it when they, they go back in a movie? A flashback. Yeah, this is a, this is a vision back, all right? Chapter 10 is a vision back because, because he begins it in chapter 9 talking about the vision that he had seen years before under Cyrus. And it bothered him. It bothered him what he saw. He understood it to be perilous. He may not have fully understood the, the vision of it, but he understood it to be perilous. He understood it to be... He, he, let, let's, let's just begin reading. Okay, I'm in chapter 9, verse 1. In the first year of Darius, the son of Ahasuerus, or Xerxes, by descent, Amid, who was made king over the realm of the Chaldeans, in the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, perceived in the books the numbers of years that according to the word of the Lord to Jeremiah the prophet must pass before the end of the desolation of Jerusalem, namely 70 years. In other words, he's reading the scroll that Jeremiah wrote, the prophecy that they would be in captivity for 70 years. Okay, he's reading this. And he said, you know, basically I perceive that we're almost to the end of that 70 years. There were about three years left. Then I turned my face. This is what I want you to get. Then I turned my face to the Lord God, seeking Him by prayer and pleas for mercy with fasting and sackcloth and ashes. This began a process for Daniel. See, Daniel saw the future. Daniel saw the future. He may not have been able at that point to put it all into a context. That's actually what comes through the rest of chapter 9 and then going back into the vision in 10. And it, it's that whole 70 weeks of Daniel which we talked about a couple of weeks ago. But he knew he could go to the Lord for understanding. He knew he could go to the Lord in asking for more to be poured into that, and that's what he did. Fasting became the vehicle to do that. See, Daniel was standing on a side, on one side of a door. 
He wanted to be on the other side of the door, which placed him in a, in a greater place of understanding what the Lord wanted and what the Lord was going to do. But there had to be a pass through of that door. That pass through was fasting. That pass through was prayer. That pass through was being on his knees, fervently saying, Lord, I have set aside this time to come after you in prayer because I need your answers. That's where we find ourselves now. See, we know what the Lord has promised. This particular fast is about what God wants to do with this country. Now, immediately, I I just want to make the comment that you might say, well, okay, what's that got to do with Ignition 633? What's that got to do with us? Well, you know, everybody can kind of kind of pray for that. Why do we need it? We, we have more needs here. You know, my goodness, we need a building. You know, we need this, we need that. We, people need cars. We need, we, need, we need the funds to build over in Nigeria. We have all these things here. Why in the world would we do this fast for this country and make that the primary focus? I have two answers for you. First of all, it's because God told us to. That's good enough for me. Secondly, it is because the very prophecies that he has poured into ignition have a direct link and direct effect on what he is doing in this country. See, he's called us to fight for this country. That's what we've been doing for two, what, a year, year and a half? On the prayer call every night. On Tuesday nights, praying for it. On Sunday mornings. In, in our own personal times, praying for this country. We have been called to go to war for this country. Why? Because this country is not what it's supposed to be. It's not even what our forefathers intended it to be. It was never intended to be a separation of church and state. It was supposed to be a separation of state from the church. Like the state cannot any longer bother the church. If you don't believe me, read the Constitution. I love it. Do you know churches have a very special place in our Constitution? Do you know that we, by law, by constitutional law, we are automatically tax exempt, and yet somehow Satan has figured it out to get people to sign up under these 501c3s. I'm not going to go down that rabbit hole, but the bottom line is we are linked to, Ignition 633 is linked to war with this country for what it is supposed to be. All the promises that he has given us are linked with this as well. And by the way, it's not just here, it just begins here. The warfare that is coming in the, in the fall here, in the courts of heaven, which is what we're praying about. We're praying for that door to open so we can step onto the other side of that doorway of authority. Breaking the strongholds in this country. And I'm not a conspiracy theorist, but let me tell you. There are strongholds that people have no idea of. 
I find myself now in the things that I'm learning and the things that I'm, I'm learning to be actually true. I'm starting to laugh at myself how I was years ago. Like, cause I would laugh at myself now, like, okay, you're a conspiracy theorist. But bottom line is Satan has webbed, he has weaved such a web over this country that you have to peel back those layers to get to the root of what that stronghold is. That's what's happening this fall. That's what's going to happen this fall. Because before things manifest in the physical, they will have victory in the spirit. That's how God does everything in his word. That's why we're fasting. That's what we're going after. It's not a fast, fast. (laughs) Right? It's not... Oh my goodness, let's just get through this and then it'll all be good. No, no. When we're in this, the whole point is to go after His will with everything that we have. I've told people a lot that are fasting. One of the reasons that He does a food fast is because every time you're reminded that you're hungry, which by the way, will be a lot, talk to Him. Talk to him. Pray to him. Say, Lord, I want to know your heart. I want to know your heart on these matters. I want to know your heart about the strongholds in this government and how they can be broken. I want to know your heart. Because, see, Satan wants to keep that information from us. For us to go to court, like we did last week. For us to go to court for this nation... We have to be able to take evidence that we may not be privy to. That we may not understand, even understand how to, how to find. But guess what? Someone knows how. His name's God. God knows how to get that information. If you don't believe me, I could, I could tell you from my own experience. Most of you know the authorities that, that, that that we understand and that I have over principalities in this country. Okay. And, and those were, I know some people online might be confused now, but that's all right. Just blank it out for a minute. I couldn't understand why I had these authorities and the Lord told me research your ancestry. And he told me from a certain person in my ancestry on back. And from there, we started to understand the physical reality of where I came from in my ancestry. And it linked to these authorities. I'm not going to get into that, but the point is this. God gave us the direction to get the information. See, when you go to court on this earth, you have to go with evidence. When you go to court... In heaven's court, it's no different. It's no different. That's why in personal court, and I know most of you have been to court for your own personal lives in, you know, in, before the Lord. When you went there, what was your evidence to break those strongholds? It was the forgiveness. It was, Lord, Lord, forgive me for this accuser. Forgive me for what I did. Forgive me for this stronghold. Just like last week when I said, Lord, forgive us for this delay 
This stronghold of delay, this accusation and authority of delay. Forgive, forgive, forgive. And God immediately, the Bible says, forgives when forgiveness is asked for. Now that forgiveness is then laid on the altar and here's my evidence. Why? Because I'm covered in the blood of Jesus Christ and you promised. That's why it's my evidence. Because you promised. Father, you promised. Here's my evidence. I've asked forgiveness. Here it is. Well, see, through this fast, I believe God's going to give us direction in this. Direction in our part as Ignition 633 in going after the strongholds in this country. He's going to tell us where to research. He's going to tell us the links that we need to go after. Because If you don't think God wants this done, you're crazy. This country was set aside for him. That's how it was started. That was in the hearts of the forefathers, to be set aside for him. He wants to bring that to fruition. Why? Because of the readying of the bride. This country will be at the forefront of readying the bride. That's why Satan has weaved his web so thick in layers. But those layers can be peeled away, and they are being peeled away. So when we do this, we do it in unity and the understanding that we are saying, your will be done, show us your will. Now, by the way, Don't think for a second that if you're doing this for God's will for this group, this Ignition 633, that it doesn't affect you personally. Absolutely it does. What do you you think Moses experienced when he was fasting for Israel? He wasn't fasting for himself. He was already up there with God. He was fasting for Israel. He was fasting, so the very things God was giving him, the very things God was impugning onto him, he would be able to allow flow to Israel, so Israel would receive what God intended for them to receive. See, it's no different with the reading of the bride. I'll just share my mind with you. That's exactly what I feel in our responsibility as the bride. To build relationship with the Lord so thick, so heavy to become so ready that Israel will recognize that Jesus Christ is the Messiah. And that they will see the favor that God places on His bride. And when He takes them, they will say, Jesus, you are the Messiah, come. And then that will take us into... The most amazing time in history. And that's after seven years of judgment. That is Jesus coming again to conquer. Ushering in the millennium. Oh man, alive, I can't wait. I can't wait. Think about that a second. Think about that. You have an opportunity right now to be a part of that. Do you understand that? That as children of God, 
you have an opportunity in this life to receive eternal rewards, it says, to reign with Him. To judge angels with Him. This isn't talking about some la-la land off in heaven somewhere, you know, X many years in the future. This is when Jesus takes the throne of David physically on this earth. Who's he going to use for his staff all over the world? He's going to use the people that gave him their hearts here in this life in faith. So see, this affects you personally, even though your focus in this fast is corporate and specifically for America. I I hope that that makes sense, but I want to encourage you, just in closing, I want to encourage you. Let him show you what to do in this one. Let him show you. And allow your heart to receive something that your mind might want to reject. Make sure it's him, though. Make sure it's him. Please don't don't do, you know, forty days of no food and water, unless the Lord told you to do that. And if you did, I really want to talk to you because it'll be amazing what happens to you for those forty days. We're gonna talk every day. <laughs> no, but listen to the Lord. Listen to His voice. Go after Him harder than you ever have, because those keys are coming. He did say, just so you know the, the, the background of all this, the 21 days, but something special about the last seven days. We don't know what. What he said is, it's going to be a greater requirement the last seven days. I don't even know what that means. I don't know why. I could give you a zillion guesses, but that's all they'd be, is guesses. But recognize that as you're planning this out. Don't make it flip. Don't make this fast flip. Like, uh, you know, I, I'll just not watch TV for three weeks. Now do something that will cost. And recognize what it costs to your Savior to put you in this position right now. Let's come on up. God is getting me even more excited about this fast, and I don't say excitement as if it's going to be necessarily easy. Um, there is such power in fasting together. You know, one of the references that Greg had us read in, in Acts 14.20, it's an interesting little side note. When he talked about Paul being stoned and thrown, out, dragged out of the city, apparently dead, verse 20 is a really interesting verse because it says, as the believers, the disciples in the New Living, it says, as the believers stood around him, he got up. Hmm. And I'll tell you what, that is a powerful statement in the spirit. When you get knocked down by the enemy, when you are in this fight with other believers, and as them standing in faith and in prayer stand around you, No matter how knocked down you get and dragged out, you can get up again. 
because you're not alone in the battle. Now, can we do that through Christ? Of course, we could do that through Christ alone. But the power of prayer in community and the power of fasting in community is really, really significant. And so um, I think this is different on many different levels uh, as far as the power of the breakthrough. But one of the things the Lord's been reminding me, now some of you are very settled in your heart about what you want to do. In case you're not, I do want to challenge you on a couple of things, is recognize the sneaky aspect of fear. There is a great fear connected to being hungry. Have you ever been hungry? It can send feelings of anxiety to you, especially if you have any kind of blood sugar issues. Now, I am speaking to, as he referred to, the vast majority, not to the medical conditions. But even in that case, Fasting is a supernatural experience. It's not a meal replacement time. It's not, I'm going to give up this, but I'm just going to replace it with this. It's not a food swap adventure. It's an actual giving up of something that you typically would need that is supernaturally replaced for sustenance by God alone. That's where the breakthrough comes. It's a stretching of your comfort zone. Now, It can't be laid out um, in too much detail because there are particulars and you have to listen to the voice of God. But as you're listening to the voice of God, oftentimes we go to the Lord with an impression asking for his stamp of peace upon what we want. That's not what Greg is saying and that's not what we're encouraging you to do. Literally go before the Lord and say, Lord, what is it you want me to do that I cannot do myself? Okay. Some, some in here can do water fasts relatively easy. They can get to, it's not that it's easy, easy, but they've done it and can do it. Others, the thought of going 24 hours with just water would be an overwhelming task. So it's not about the details in that everybody has to have the same plan, but everybody does have to walk in the supernatural. If this, don't think of it as giving up an indulgence. Fasting is not setting aside an indulgence. It's not a food replacement as much as it is, what can I give up? And be sensitive to each day what the Lord may do to change that. He's already given us a clue that the last seven days are going to be a little different. Um, But this one, I have a basic plan, and, and I'll admit, I love when God will give me the plan in advance. And I can just, thank you, Lord. It's your plan, God, but now I'm working it. There can be some danger in that as well. Be careful not to work the plan to where there is no um, genuine flowing in the spirit if he has a change. If he, there may be a day that he gives additional grace to add something that you need for a particular situation. There may be something additional that he has you give up. And, you know, there are lots of aspects to the fast. Uh, when I talk about a meal replacement, there can also be a, you know, food is, a centers, is the center of so many things. Even just watching a movie, people think of food. You know, getting together for a, a conversation. What do you want to eat? It's always centered around food. And so one thing that the Lord has shown me, you know, if you'd like to work out or if you'd like to be really active, I know when I fast, I have to give up a lot of that because I don't, I don't, you know, have the strength to do it. Now, if the Lord allows certain things or whatever, that may be fine. But there's more than I'm giving up than I might think. There are certain that my whole lifestyle adjusts in 
walking in this fast with him. And so it's got to be a day by day. Lord, I want to encounter you more. I want, to, I want you to fill me in all the ways that I would typically fill my life. Because in my, you know, some people would roll their eyes at this. I enjoy, it releases endorphins and feel good feelings within me when I work out. So I enjoy that. That's not always possible when I'm fasting. And so God is saying, can, can you let me replace whatever it is that you are used to going to? Because when food is a comfort, it is, it's, it's literally a little frightening to not have that comfort. And so, um, there you go. Um, so I, I want to encourage you, make this a supernatural time. Because what God wants to impart is supernatural for you. And if you don't give up much, okay, again, don't, don't go crazy with it. With, if it's all within what God wants you to do, it'll be just right. But as you approach the Lord, approach it from a, Lord, I want your supernatural sustenance to be what I need. Because that's where I'm going to have the encounter and the breakthrough. You don't find out the miraculous nature and character of God unless you step out of what you can control. Step out of your comfort zone. It's, it's, most of us have had the, mo- the greatest times of, wow, God just came through. When? When we were desperate. When we couldn't do something ourselves. When we were at the end of our rope. Why does it always have to get that way in circumstances and in trials? Um, it's because we don't put ourselves there intentionally. If we walk by faith, we put ourselves there intentionally every single day. And we say, Lord... I'm going to just be in a place where you have to do this and I can't do this. And I know for me, I don't know how to explain my particular plan for the fasting. It's, I call it my bird food plan. Um, it is an actually written plan, but it's, it's, a, it's just something that the Lord just kind of showed me to do. And it's a tiny bit of, it's just like bird food for three times a day. And uh, it isn't something I've ever, ever been able to do um, before he showed it to me as a fast. And he said, with, with blood sugar issues that you have, this is what I'm going to do. Now, he's going to stretch me this, this time. He's already kind of told me, be ready. Be ready. I'm going to make you go beyond. Um, but I'm excited because when it gets hard, when, in fact, when it gets so hard that maybe all I can do is, Lord, I only have the strength to just lay down. That might be the time that I have my greatest encounter with him. The, um, he just, he'll surprise you. So don't fight against um, the times when it's difficult. Be excited. When it gets really tough, whatever you're going to do, and if it never, ever, ever gets tough to where you need him, rethink what you're doing with this fast. Because it's got to be a supernatural walk. It's got to be something that only God can do to help you. I am so excited about what he will do. But I want to encourage you to um, pray, in addition to what Greg said, in order to even get to where you're praying for the nation, would you pray that God would give you the spiritual eyes to see and ears to hear? You know, you have five senses, okay, human senses. You have those same senses in the spirit. And unless you ask God to open your eyes of understanding that supernatural wisdom and revelation, it'll be really, it'll be that much harder for you to understand and see what he wants you to pray over this nation. But ask him to help you to see the reality of things. And it'll be really exciting because you'll see things about your life. You'll see things about the promises of God, what he's doing in this nation. And he'll even show you 
how, what the st- statement was that Greg made earlier, how we're connected directly with, with that and the fight for the government. So I'm, I'm excited about that, and I just wanted to... Have Wendy come up to add something. Okay. Yes. Can you do... Is somebody I mean, in her lap? announcements and everything. If Wendy, okay. can you come up? Before announcements? Yeah, right. Okay. Wendy so, yeah, Wendy, come on up. On that same vein. And, uh, yeah, and thank you so much. I wanted to thank her for posting that on the, the Daniel plan. If you guys need any more information on that, um, ask. You know, if, if you need something written out, if you need just some more study tools on fasting, she is the go-to gal for that. So, right. Lord's been, been laying on my heart, you know, um, for a couple of days now. And I love the, the thing about, you know, like Greg and Alexis said, we all have different ways that we're going to fast. You know, there's, you know, some may be able to eat, some may not be able to eat, and some may be able to do certain things. But one of the things he's been cautioning me about is don't take the liberty that he's given us. You know, if you if he decide, okay, you can eat. You know, we're, we're together maybe in a church service or maybe on Tuesday night or even on Sunday to just whip out a bowl of spaghetti and meatballs in front of the people that are actually doing, you know, a water fast. I can understand, okay, if we go to, if, if I decide that I'm on a water fast and I say, let's go to lunch, you know, God's going to give me the grace to watch you eat the steak. <laughs> but if, we, if we're here in church, you know, I think this, this is a place where we should really be careful with each other, like, you know, okay, you know, I can eat the meat, why not put out a bowl of, you know, eggs and eggs and whatever and eat it in front of the whole group. That's not what God wants us to do. We've got to be careful, you know, if you give us liberty, we've got to be careful of how we use that liberty, you know, to help each other to get where you want us to be. And to really focus on what, you know, he, he's calling us to do, to get to that place. And not, not use that time to actually, Amen. you know, when we're together to actually, um, you know, tempt somebody else and, oh, you know, he's eating meat, maybe I can eat a meat too now. But we would know what God is telling us to do. But it's, it's tempting when we're, when we're, you know, we're seeing someone doing something and, you know, we, you know, we know that God is calling us to do and, you know, just maybe give you a headache if you can't eat a steak at a time. Okay? Amen. <laughs> 